Mr. Rainwater. Yes, John. I'm going to read off a list of movies, and I want to know if you have seen them. So I'm going to say the name of a movie, and then you just say either yes or no. That's it. Okay. Ready? Let's go. Tombstone. No, sadly. I need to watch all that movie. I've never seen all of it. You're aware of it, though, right? I'm aware of it. Okay. Russell, uh, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer. Okay. Yeah. Wyatt Earp. No, I ha- that's another one. It's fine. <laughs> Kevin Costner, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman. Yeah. Dante's Peak. Yes. Volcano. Yes. Armageddon. Yes. Deep Impact. Yes, I know where you're going with this. Ants. <laughs> yes. A Bug's Life. Yes. The Truman Show. Yes. Ed TV. Oh, I was trying to figure out what was going to be the... Yeah, I've only seen the last bit of Ed TV. Finding Nemo. Yes. Shark Tale. No. Mm, You're not going to know that one. Hang on. Capote. Capote? What is it? Capote? I think it's Capote. With, I'm not uh, sure. I haven't seen it. Phil, Philip with Seymour Philip Hoffman. Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Infamous. No. I, I wouldn't suspect you would because, yeah. Um, World Trade Center. Nicholas Cage. No. You're not. You're not. The other one was the other one was 9/11, wasn't it, or something like that? Uh, United 93. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I was referencing. <laughs> um, the Black Dahlia. Yes. Ugh. Hollywood Land. Uh, no. Although I wish I would have seen Hollywood Land instead. <laughs> uh, Happy Feet. Uh, yes. Surf's Up. No. Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yes. Observe and Report. No. Wait, so is that like a Paul Blart Mall Cop? Ish movie? Uh, it was a weirdish. It was Seth Rogen as a mall cop. Oh, I know exactly what I know what you're talking about now. Uh, 2012. Yes. Knowing, it's another Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> does also the day after tomorrow count? Yes, it does. Another Roland Emmerich movie. <laughs> it absolutely does. Friends with Benefits. Um. Justin no. Timberlake and Mila Kunis. No, I didn't see that one. Uh, no Strings Attached, which is Natalie no. Portman and Ashton Kutcher. That one, both of those movies are about, like, uh, banging without having to be in a relationship. Yep. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. Mirror, Mirror with Julia Roberts. No. And last one, this is probably the most blatant similarities. White House Down. That's Channing Tatum <laughs> and Jamie Foxx. And Olympus one? Has Fallen. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen either of those. Oh, we also have another one. Uh, two, I should say. A pair. Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender. I haven't seen that one. You're aware of it, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kay. yeah. And then Jobs 
with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, once I didn't again. even know that was the one. Really? Yeah. Uh, I this one doesn't really count. Captain America: Civil War. I know you've seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> Batman v Superman. That I don't think that one really counts. That's in superhero movies. That's like. That's not like people having the same idea at the same time. That's just like yeah. blood in the water. <laughs> All right, here's this is a, actually a very good one. Uh, Disney's The Jungle Book, which was directed by John Favreau. Right. And then yeah. Mowgli, 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 I think it is, Legend of huh. the Jungle on Netflix by Andy Serkis. Okay. I didn't know about that one. You didn't know about that? Okay, fair enough. Um, I think, oh, this is actually a pretty good way to end it. This is a, a little bit more obscure, but you might have because you're a little cultured in that aspect. Um, there's two different documentaries. Just tell me if you knew the both of them about the fire festival. That was like a whole big fraud scam. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Did you I know that there were two, them, ve- two documentaries or just the one? I thought there was just the one, like the big Netflix one. Okay. So, to our listeners who have already read the synopsis to this episode and the title and whatnot, you know what's going on. Um, Mr. Rainwater has probably figured it out using detective skills that it's impossible to acquire through any normal human beings. He's just an awesome, ag- awesome human being to, to be able to do this. Or we agreed on the subject our <laughs> days before. <laughs> or it could be that. We could have talked about it ahead of time. Um the concept of getting beaten to the punch when you have some kind of an idea. Now, before we even get into it, I, I want to acknowledge the point that sometimes it's not from an artistic thing. It's just literally a business move that some people will do. It's like, oh, I see that. Let me copy it quick. And, yep. you know, that explains why there's a ton of like shark movies that came out after Jaws that have nothing to do with Jaws. Um, but at times there there is an instance where there's something in the air supply where people intuitively are on the same creative wavelength and you can get beat to the punch in yeah. what you want to do. Now, this is something that I had, uh, me and Rainwater have a, a Google Doc that we throw ideas into and we kind of consult each other about what we're going to talk about each week. This was an idea that I threw in there because this happened to me, I think it was 2018. 2019 when I was trying to do haunted um, let me let me google really quick I probably should be more prepared um, <laughs> but uh, this is the list of movies that came out with similar ideas um, like around the same time that you were working on haunted literally Literally, oh. I do. I do not. Uh, n- not all of them, for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. But at least two or three of them. Um, and just tell me if you've actually heard of these. Okay. Hellfest. No. Trick. No. Hellhouse LLC. No. The houses October built. No. Bloodfest. No. Haunt. I might have heard of Haunt, but maybe that's just because I've heard of Haunted. <laughs> I, I can see where that, that could get confusing. But yeah. the general gist of most of them was, oh, look, a haunted house. And yeah. here comes a killer. 
and these people yep. don't know what's happening, and then they get murdered. And what had happened was I was barreling forward with Haunted, and I didn't know. You know, there's the general synopsis of, like, it's a subgenre now, haunt movies in, in horror. It's just a thing. It's like you have the creepy doll category. You have the haunted house category. Now you have right. the, you know, fake attraction that's murdering people, yada, yada, yada kind of gimmick. And I was, we were, like, getting really close to getting down to the nitty-gritty of filming the movie. And then, like, the three movies had trailers come out. And they were close enough to kind of what I was doing that I was just like, well, I got to pull the plug. Because there's no way I can compete with any of this. Right. And so today, we're going to be talking about getting beaten to the punch with a project. And I'm going to lead this off with a pretty uh, groundbreaking announcement right now, which is going to lead into our discussion. Mm. It's a little bit more exciting, but maybe we'll talk about it in another podcast. But I am officially announcing right now that in October of 2023... I will be premiering Haunted. Ooh. That's I'm exciting. Fucking doing it now after gestating nice. since like 2016. It's been, you know, developmental hell, as they call it. Um, yeah. There's been investors. There hasn't been investors. There's been, you know, casts. Uh, there's been two separate casts <laughs> assigned <laughs> to this movie that have come and gone. Um but now I, I have decided fully and aware that I'm going to do it. There is a thing called the production triangle. Rainwater from uh, let me know if you're, you're not familiar with this. I am not familiar with that term at all. Shame on you for calling yourself a fan of red letter media and not knowing the production <laughs> triangle. So there's a theory in filmmaking called the production triangle in which literally it's you know created as a triangle diagram where yeah. you can have two sides of the triangle but not all three. You can either have something done fast and cheap, cheap, um, oh, I have and quality, but it's like yeah. you don't have the, the time, or yeah. quality and uh, cheap, but you can't do it, or you have to do it fast. It's something like that. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get um, what you're saying. It was explained to me by uh, uh, an ex-roommate who was a drunk and stole my rent money, so... Wow, there's some tea right <laughs> That's there. That's how I learned about the production triangle. <laughs> Are you talking about one of our roommates? Like when we no, were roommates? No, no, this was in this okay. was in Portland. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But okay, so the concept is is that you can have two sides of the triangle. It can be fast and cheap, but it won't be quality. You can have it quality and cheap, but it won't be fast. You can have it fast and quality but it won't be cheap i think i said that already but you, you listeners are getting the idea um so what i'm doing is right now i am dra going so fucking slow so i'm doing slow uh it's gonna be quality and cheap <laughs> but it's yeah. gonna take a while thus the 2023 target that's two years from the recording of this day anyone who's listening uh in the future and it's like traced it back to this but i'm working on the pre-production pre now, because the script has been set. The script is, you know, multi-award-winning um, screenplay. Uh, anyone who reads it instantly loves it. it. You know, it's one of those scripts that's fun and it delivers on the goods, like the story-wise. Um, yeah. So I am in pre-production now, and then next summer I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to take three weeks off of work, which in the summer for my normal day job, 
summer we usually take vacations and it's slow business so i can probably take three weeks all together yeah. uh and so it you've already got those aspects of the production sort of hammered out yep. in terms of and then awesome. instead of trying to rush my ass through the edit um because I could. I could probably rush my ass through the edit and knock it out by next Halloween. I don't want to jinx myself. I would rather take my time with the edit and have it for the next year and be able to do some advertising and ramp up and this and that. The big, I mean, the big thing about it is is I am kind of a jack-of-all-trades. You know, a lot of filmmakers have to be when you're so poor. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be doing the sound effects, the Foley. I don't think yeah. I'll be doing the... I think the one thing I probably won't be doing is the musical score. But... There's like all those aspects. A lot of that stuff is going to come down to me. I'm currently in the process of teaching myself special effects makeup and all that kind of jazz because it's all going to be me. Like it's crazy that what I'm doing and I'm learning a lesson from when I did digits, which was I try to do it fast and cheap. And while many would say it came out surprisingly quality for what it was. I would say so, yeah. Um, Absolutely. It wasn't the quality that I was after, and I can see sure. where that falls short a lot. And it, I think for as an artist, I'm you know out to self-satisfy quite a bit. But anyway, the point of the matter is, and getting back to our main topic, is that I realized, yes, I was beat to the punch in terms of a haunt movie that kind of made waves. However, yep. however, having now seen every single one of those movies, I can... <laughs> I can plainly tell you. No, I'm not going to call them trash because some of them were surprisingly decent. Oh, really? Um, okay. They they didn't deliver on the goods that I wanted. Yeah. And they are nothing like my film. That is always like as a feeling to have. That is always very validating. Yes. Uh, I'll let you finish what you're saying. I want to pick up on this topic though. Sure. After that. Um, no, but I guess what I'm really saying is is that when you're beat to the punch, you're not really beat to the punch because yeah. unless you are a mundane run-of-the-mill and I hesitate to even call someone an artist, if someone mm. has nailed exactly what you were going to do, you were probably doing it the obvious way, not, not approaching it from an artistic way or you're too much creatively in line stylistically with whomever beat you to the punch. And you should probably change that so that you can have your own artistic identity, creative voice, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm learning that now, yeah, it's, a, it's in a subgenre that's got, you know, neighbors, but it's going to be a house of its own. It'll stand out on its own. And I'm, I'm dead set with the, the mindset of, yes, I will not be the first, but I will be the best. And that's... That's like, where yeah. I'm going at it from. That's yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, you know what you're talking about has really reminded me of some instances that I've had in my creative career where it's like, so for instance, Garage Raja, like that was a project that both me and co-writer Austin cooked for forever, like basically the entirety of my time at SCAD. Uh, we were like, you know, going back and forth writing ideas for it, um, planning it out, plotting it. I'm sure there's at least three or four different outlines that we had to throw out, you know what I mean? And one of the things that happened probably second year was that Scott Pilgrim became a thing. And so, like, for those who don't know about yeah. Garage Raja, Garage Raja is about, <clears> like, <throat> it's about a garage band. It involves a lot of magic and all this stuff. It's not 
really that much like Scott Pilgrim, but there were elements in Scott Pilgrim that were very. It was close similar. enough that you were concerned it would be. That was another thing yeah. of mine was I was concerned of being labeled as a copycat or a knockoff. And exactly. that's why I wanted to that back is... off. It wasn't the right time because a lot of the yep. movies that I read from that initial list came out at the exact same time, like within months of each other, which, yep. you know, in movie and, time, that's relatively the same time. And the thing that really got to me is I, you know, I'd explain like the idea for the story and people would hear it and they'd start like saying, oh, kind of like Scott Pilgrim. And I'm like, Oh, that's the worst thing I mean? as an artist is when they're like, yeah. oh, you've already some I've already seen what you're trying to do. And you're like, no, <laughs> but it's hard to explain how stuff stuff is different because you don't want to give away the farm. Yes, sometimes. But you exactly. also and, and you also don't want to sound like that bitter artist. No, mine's different. Uh, th- there was someone what? when I was younger, um, a, uh, a former friend of mine worked at Dairy Queen and one of the everybody's writing a screenplay and someone was talking to him when they found out we had made digits and they were like, Oh yeah, I've got this story and it's about this guy who dies and he leaves all these podcast episodes to his uh, ex-wife. And my friend was like, what, isn't that like letters to uh, something or whatever, like the mailbox or it's like some movie where um, some guy died and he left like a bunch of letters to his wife and the employee he was working with was very adamant. No, it's a podcast. And in that essence, you're like, that's the fucking same thing. Like, you're ripping that off. That's not the same. Yeah. That is the same thing. You're not executing no, anything like a, differently. I don't know if you ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but there's like an episode where I think they're like firefighters or something. They go and like, re- oh, no, it's not. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Reno, Reno 911. Oh. And like they're rescuing some guy from his house. It's on fire. And, like, he's like, oh, I need somebody to go back inside the house. I had this manuscript that I wrote. And he starts describing the story. And they're like, that's just frequency. Like, you just wrote frequency. <laughs> and they end up not saving the manuscript because they're like, what's even the point? He just wrote. That's already been written before. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, Garage Raja, Scott Pilgrim. I interrupted yeah. you. No, no. Uh, point being you know there are times when you like you come up with ideas and you and you think to yourself like oh you know nobody else has done this no way is it going to get like you know i've got this original idea and then you find out like you were saying something in the ether is like going around Mm. similar attitudes towards aesthetics go around are you just you know you pick up little things maybe from commercials or whatever sure um you know, cultural zeitgeists are weird like that, where it's yeah. like it takes little bits and pieces to make a general scene you are our, our, our community of thoughts and ideas that sort of pass around in the world. Right. Uh, so anyway, I spent, you know, me and Austin ended up spending so much time basically trying to write the story to not be Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Mm. And like that, it, it ended up occupying a lot of our mind and something like looking back at it now, like something I think about now is like not worrying so much about that because a lot of the things that made Scott Pilgrim great were very particular to Brian Lee O'Malley in his life and like being a Canadian and like, his particular life experiences, there were no, there were like zero ways in which we were going to touch on any of that stuff. Like, uh, let alone just like the garage 
the, you know, the garage band stuff, there's like zero girlfriends in Garage Raja. So like <laughs> that was like the whole crux of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about this as advice for other people who are concerned about this, because this is a this is a big concern. A lot of people sure. have. Right. Especially, you know, in an age of, um, you know, I, you know, IP conflicts and stuff like that, like. It's easy to get concerned about, oh, am I making something that's too derivative, too whatever? Yeah. Or is somebody going to, like, steal my thing? And I now I am sort of leaning towards the opinion of if you're getting if you're going in a direction where you're actually finishing what you're doing, using it in a in a in a way where it's like you're going to be done at a set time. Just keep going. Don't. Like, get into tunnel vision mode and worry yeah. about it when it's done. Tunnel vision then, is actually an asset in, in a situation like this. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I mean, on the other hand, there are, like, uh, before we were doing this, like, I was reading up on this kind of unusual thing that's happened in history. So, like, this is going a little bit outside of art, just a tad. We're, we're going to sidestep for a second. Don't tell me we're about... going to start talking about Dogecoin. No, not about Dogecoin. <laughs> uh, although you could definitely argue there's certainly a lot of that happening in crypto and whatever. Yeah. But um, like in the area of science, right, there are tons of instances of people like coming to the same conclusions at the same time, which is nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is who you give credit to. So, for instance, uh, calculus. Uh, calculus is generally credited to Isaac Newton. He's given credit for being the guy that, like, uh, put together the ideas for calculus, came up with it, and all that stuff. Well, at the same time, like, while Isaac Newton was, like, studying alchemy and being pinned up in his apartment or whatever during the plague, uh, Gottfried Leibniz was also coming up with the exact same ideas, just through a different channel. Like, he was into the I Ching and other things like that. And had come up with an idea that a system of mathematics that was basically calculus, the exact same thing that Isaac Newton was doing. The only difference is Isaac Newton was doing it in a way that was easier to digest for people. So it became, he became the person who got credited with it because he was the one that people were, they were looking at it, his ideas first. Um, this is one of those things where I'm like, well, then how do you properly, how do you properly attune credit to somebody, you know, if, if at the same time somebody else had the same ideas, do you credit to them because they did the higher quality version of it, or, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about. And so to go further into this, like, Charles Darwin was not the only uh, only other person who had come up with the origin of species idea, the idea of evolution. There was another guy at the time named Alfred Russell Wallace. And so it was just something in the air at that time uh, because I think a lot of ideas were congealing. You had a couple of people who, who at the same time were picking up like, oh, okay, if we logically follow this, then there must be some sort of uh, explanation for why we find all these particular fossils that that uh, form or or morph over time in this way. So mm -hmm. anyway, huge tangent to go into 
to a certain extent, it's almost a natural consequence of life on Earth. People come up with the same ideas at the same time, uh, and more and more so because there's like, you know, seven, eight, I guess seven plus billion people on the planet. It's just by sheer odds. Yeah, law of you odds, know, sure. Somebody's going to come up with the same idea for, you know, the slapjack or whatever you can find on TV. <laughs> Um, I absolutely agree. The, the, I think the real question, cause I, a lot of us, and especially this is like prevalent. I don't know if it is so much in the comics community. You'd have to weigh in on that, but I know it is in the screenwriting thing. People will only tell you so much about their idea because they're so afraid of it being quote unquote stolen. And yep. half the time I'm looking at them like, dude, I have like 12 ideas for great, like great scripts that I really, really, really want to write. And I have trouble sitting down and writing those myself. I'm sure as shit not going to sit down and try and write a script off of your idea, which I'm kind of half the interested in. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the theft thing is not so prevalent as people think it is. Like, they're so afraid. It's almost like, I want to say it's like a subconscious excuse people tell so that they, they don't have to, they tell themselves so that they don't have to have a fully fleshed out idea to pitch to you. Does that make sense? Like they like they've yeah, got the sense. they've got the general gimmick, but they haven't really thought it through. It's it's one of the biggest problems that I have when I'm a, when I'm doing my screenwriting is like I'll have my theme, I'll have a couple of characters in mind, I'll have a couple of great set pieces, and then I'll go to lay it out on an outline, and usually I have to fill in about forty beats, and I'll notice that I have like six. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like there, there's not nearly as much in here. As I thought there was like, oh, this is a great movie. This happened, then that happened, then this happens, and then this guy will do that, and then da 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 da, and then it's end. And then you go and you start writing that, and you realize, shit, I'm on page 17, and I've shot my wad. Um, so I feel like people who are afraid of quote unquote getting their ideas stolen have not knocked out the entire thing. And once they do, they realize how much work it takes, and that people aren't going to do that because again, I have my own ideas that I still drag my feet on doing that I, I'm not going to waste my time on yours. Um, is that something that happens in the comic book community as well, or is that just a, a film thing? Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of concern about that amongst, I mean, I, not just comic books, video games, whatever. You Does know, it happen people... more from your experience in other mediums? Does it actually happen? Because I, I know it doesn't really happen in film. It, I, I see, like, I see the sort of same thing that I see in film where you see similar like the same ideas but not the same ideas you know what i mean like where everybody's kind of working in the same area but not doing the exact same thing you know what i mean like uh i'm gonna go a little bit away from comics from for a second just to talk about like where video games are going right now Mm -hmm. where it's like uh i saw this joke the other day where it's like multiple games about making soup were like unveiled this year's e3 like um you know, in other words, a lot of people are into making games about cooking or farming or whatever because they're seeing like this is a popular thing that a lot of people are into. So a lot of people make Market it at the same time. Strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's business think for you. And that's you know, that's what's really odd about it is like it's funny because I think I think the artist the individual of the artist is the person who's usually the most concerned about whether or not the originality of their idea is going to like thrive Mm. when in reality, like 
the people who want to pay the artist money, that is the last thing on their mind. They're looking for like, how how much is it like the things that are popular enough so that we don't that, get sued? <laughs> yes, but we can make but, money like, off of a certain amount of budget and ride coattails of established uh, demand. I guess is the right exactly. way to phrase and it. That's like like superhero comics basically oh, like yeah. came out of that. Yep. I don't even know who to credit the first superhero comic to, but I mean, you look at Marvel and Marvel and DC and other publishers at that time, it was just like, how many can we make, you know? And it was for a long time it was like a shooting war between companies to see who can make the most popular superhero comic. And they and, were doing dick moves like DC was creating someone named Captain Marvel. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like there was so many instances of like just like the companies trying to copy off of each other to the extent of like, like Stan, it's interesting because as much as like Stanley is poo pooed for several reasons that are fair, what I mean to be totally honest or totally fair because he was kind of an ass to a lot of the artists in his bullpen, but if he was anything, he was good at trying to uh, take what was in the atmosphere and reconfigure it in a way that it was still original while copying other stuff. That's fair. Like yeah. the fan. Fantastic Four, he was just basically like, I want to take the Justice League idea, but make my own version of it. And so the Fantastic Four is like, okay, it's a family. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, basically a family. And um, so, like, it, you know, you don't have to be afraid of necessarily of playing in the same sandbox as everybody else. It's more about how do you bring your own particular feelings, emotional emotions, experiences into that thing. And that's where the art is created. And I'm curious for you, like, what do you think about that thought in terms of like how how the person of the artist is more possibly more important than the ideas that they make? Well, I mean, it really comes down to, like I was talking about before, the creative execution of how you tell that story or yeah. how you piece together that plot. Because I know for a fact I saw The House is October Built before I even had a thought to write Haunted. And I remember watching that movie with expectations in my head. And when I watched the movie, I was severely let down. And that was it. That was the end of it. And then it might have even been years later. I, I hadn't watched it. I only watched it the one time. Years later, I had a nightmare. And it was about a haunt. Like I was in, like I was the character, obviously, in the nightmare. And it wasn't even a haunt. It was a haunted hayride. And I just remember being on a haunted hayride and someone like was like a monster. I think it was Leatherface, like the actual Leatherface, was grabbing people yeah. off the hayride and dragging them away into the darkness. And I was freaking out on the back of the hayride. And the guy next to me turned to me and said, oh, no, don't worry. They, they put plants into this to up the scare factor. And that's all I remembered from the nightmare. And I woke up and I was like, holy shit, that was frightening. That was like the last real nightmare I've had. And that was years ago. And I remember thinking that would make a really great movie. And... Then I just let it go. I didn't even do anything with it. I was too busy working on a Christmas script that I was working on at the time. And I couldn't get that to work. And I was like, you know what? When I get done with this script, I want to work on that horror movie because I think that might be fun. 
And then I eventually threw in the, the towel on the Christmas script and I started doing research. And I, I didn't know until I started doing the research that the the scary buildings and the walks and the trails and stuff like that in the woods were called haunts until I started doing the research. And uh. I knew at the... I don't want to spoil anything because I've just announced that I'm going to make the movie. But <laughs> I knew how the movie was going to end. And when I realized that they were called haunts, I immediately put two and two together. And I said, that's fucking perfect. I know how this ends. And it's different than how October, how Houses October Bill ends, how Haunt ends, how all those Hellfest, Bloodfest, the whole nine yards. Completely different in the ending. And then furthermore, completely different in the general journey, the execution. I realized I had a bright and colorful candy raptor of a wrapper of a concept that was being used by other, you know, screenplays, stories, whatnot. But the character's journey, the character, the main character, yep. the side characters, the antagonist, the other and the, the, the lesser antagonists, the theme, the the plot points. All of it's fucking different. Like, it's not anything that any of these other movies have done. And I realized this is entirely different. I don't care. And and it goes back to when we did our episode on genre, when I was like, did you realize that Jaws and Alien are the exact same fucking movie? And most people will look at you sideways and go, (laughs) no, they're not. One's about an alien. One's about a giant shark. Like, one's in space. One is, you know, on a beach. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a contained area. There's a monster. There's a, you know what I mean? Like all of the elements are still the same, but the way they're executed are completely different. So I started realizing, yeah, all those movies are something different. They're in the same, you know, wrapper and stuff like that. But the candy inside, man, is totally different. So well, what's really funny about that too, ultimately, and something that I've kind of, I've kind of discovered over time is like the fact that it something is like something else is oftentimes a big positive with audiences because they'll There's be like, familiarity oh, that to looks, it. yeah, that looks like something I like. So I might want to like watch it. Like, you know, when Haunted gets released, like there's probably going to be a ton of people who are going to be, who thought about those other type of movies and like, shit, yeah, I want to do this again, but not realizing it's going to be your own take on it and it's going to blow their minds. You know what I Hopefully. mean? Hopefully. Yeah, right, right. Fingers crossed. But I, I'm um, humble. I'm I, I'm honestly believe <laughs> in b- the belief that that the movie will will make some waves. Uh, but I never get too cocky in my own right anymore. Sure. I like to I like to be a hard worker and and still aim for it. If that makes any sense, where it's like yeah. that's what I'm going for. And if I'm, I'm shooting for the moon, and if I hit yeah. the if I hit the upper atmosphere, I still win. Does that make sense? Like that's that's my usual creative mindset when it comes to my work approach. But yeah, no, I mean, it, and it's the same thing. So I'm curious to know what happened with Graz Raja. Did you guys yeah. get to the point where you were like, let's do this different, or was it too different from what you wanted to do anymore? <laughs> and then because that's I've done that before, where I've gone yeah. like, oh shit, I'm gonna get beaten to the punch. Let me go in a completely different direction, and then you realize this isn't what I want to do. This fucking sucks. I'm done. That happened to me with The Witch. Do you remember that movie? It was a Robert like Eggers a, movie with uh, Anna wait, Taylor Joy, and it was that's set. That's not the one. I'm 
Oh, that's the A24 film, isn't it? Yes, it's like say, set okay. in like colonial times. and Yeah, I know which movie you're talking about, and I haven't seen it yet. But what were you saying about The Witch? I was, gonna, I was in the process after Digits. I really wanted to do a horror movie, and the thing that I wanted to do was called something called The Devil's Hour. And it okay. was going to be a horror movie. And I was very much, I'm a giant Hocus Pocus nerd for everybody who doesn't know that already. And I wanted to do a very grounded, realistic horror movie about witches in the woods. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Because there's so many male oriented psycho killers. I'm like, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's have a male character as the protagonist, like a young teenage boy. And we'll have three or four, like a coven of, you know, scary realistic witches on yeah. like that Michael Myers kind of wavelength where it's like kind of supernatural but kind of grounded in reality and it was this whole idea that I wanted to do and then boom the witch came out and I was like oh fuck well maybe I'll be okay and then I turned around and I went and saw the conjuring which was also uh, a fucking witch um in the end <laughs> so I was like all right I got beat to the punch and that's literally what yeah. happened to me and that's uh, another yeah. instance of getting quote unquote beat to the punch so I gave up on that. I probably should revisit it, but we won't go there. That's too much. Well, and that's right what's now, but... <laughs> funny about to go on what you were talking about. That's what's funny about it is like you can end up wasting so much time worrying about how your thing is too much like everybody else's thing. And then you just don't get around to it. And so going back to your question, like, uh, you know, we did end up making it. We, <laughs> we became too conscious of how we were trying to make it different mm. from Scott Pilgrim. And or I did anyway, I think I don't think it bothered Austin as much because I think he I think he knew better how different it was. Mm -hmm. And I was still really like for myself, I was really kind of neurotically worried like, oh, I'm going to draw this thing. And then people are just going to keep thinking, oh, it's Scott Pilgrim. It's Scott Pilgrim, like just haunting me in the back of my mind for hours and hours where it's just like somebody in the back of my head just whispering, you're just making Scott Pilgrim again and again and again. But the point is, is like it ended up becoming its own thing. And I liked what it ended up being, but it did have an identity crisis for a long time because I was too fixated uh, on whether or not this thing was going to be like something everything, everybody else was already super into. And I think, I just for context too, because like at that time, uh, it did seem like like Scott Pilgrim was a pretty huge property at that time. Like it was like a story that everybody. Uh, this was like in 2012, 2011, huh? somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, to, between somewhere between 2008 and 2011, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, like the graphic novels were a pretty big hit at the time. It was something that I kept hearing people talk about and I hadn't really gotten around to reading them because I was just so it, that's what's really funny too is I never even really got to enjoy the graphic novels cuz I was just like fixated on like oh this is just stealing my stealing my thing. I have been there where I refuse to watch movies cuz I'm like this yeah. is my fucking idea fuck them. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's actually kind of a shitty attitude to end up having because like I ended up watching the movie one night and I loved it. It was oh, it's great. so good. It's one of my favorites. And this happened too with uh, another thing recently, uh, the Midnight Gospel. So that was something that we had talked about in a previous podcast. And this is like it's so even tangential. And I, but I, I'm going to say this to sort of describe I think something 
that a lot of artists go through where they see something that's even vaguely similar to what they're doing, right? Yes. Just vaguely. Yep. Like, Midnight Gospel follows this main character whose name is Clancy, and he, like, basically lives in a trailer. It's like a tiny house kind of thing. And he looks witchy. Turns out, like, in the show, like, he's not witchy at all. But, like, and it's more, like, weird multi-dimensional sci-fi stuff. But, like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is just, like, this is just, like, the same, you know, thing that I'm doing, except it's a little more witchy than what I'm doing. But it's basically the same thing. And I ended up just being like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see how I feel after I watch it. And I loved it because it was, it was oh. taking on themes that are tangential to what I do in trailer park warlock, but taken in a whole different direction, mm. covering it in ways that I thought were like beautiful, like tear jerking, like, uh, and so I ended up kind of having this revelation for myself where I realized like, I'm in conversation with other artists, whether or not they're in conversation with me is that's a whole other thing, but I'm in conversation with artists by participating. And I think that that's something that, as artists, we need to remind ourselves about, even though we may not talk with each other as often, either because of social issues or because social media sucks or whatever, you know, um, the fact that we make stuff and put it out into the world, that automatically makes us in conversation with other artists, not just between artists, but also with our audiences, because yeah. oftentimes it turns out that our audiences are into the same things that we're making. And so they're basically like this, this mediary in that conversation. They're the ones who basically have to take all this stuff in yep. and sort of reflect to us, like, what do they think? What do they think about what we're making? And so um, this is a, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a lot to go through, but I'm curious, Jal, uh do you have any responses to that idea and then are do you have any thoughts in terms of that con that conversation between artists that is either direct or indirect regarding subject matter well it's funny do you remember art school when we all had life drawing yeah and i mean for those of you at home at art school uh it was one of the first most awkward experiences of my life where they would have a nude model come in and that's not some shit that, that happens here in Connecticut all that often. Um, <laughs> but everybody is got their easel set up and they got their, their canvas in front of them and their charcoal. And we all sat in a giant circle and a young lady or a young man would come in and disrobe and sit very uncomfortably on a stool for an hour, two hours. I think it was, how long were our classes? Two and a half hours. So, uh, yeah, usually two and a half, I think. Yeah, so for two hours, they would sit there in the same pose, and the circle would draw them. And it's funny to me, looking back on this now, not a one of us thought about, oh, man, they're all going to be drawing the same thing I'm drawing. That's the same. That's literally what's going on right now. The difference is, I'm sitting at, if, if it's a clock circle, I'm sitting at 4 o'clock, and Rainwater is sitting at 9 o'clock. And yeah. the woman is going to be sitting one direction the entire time. Now, I might be thinking in the back of my head, man, i got to do this better than Rainwater. But here's the thing. Rainwater is looking at this subject in profile, and I'm sitting at it, looking at it from three-quarters angle. 
and they're not going to be the same. Whether or not they're they're good or not is in the eye of whoever's judging it. You know, it's a sub uh, subjective, objective, yeah, subjective, whatever. Subjective. You get the, you know what I'm saying. Subjective. Um, to whoever's looking at it. Someone could look at mine and say it's better than Rainwater. Someone could look at Rainwater and say it's better than mine. But the point is, when me and Rainwater look at each other's two drawings, I'm going to be looking at yours going, wow, I couldn't see that shadow from where I was sitting because yep. it just wasn't prevalent to me because of the way the lighting was and my perspective and this and that. And you're going to look at it and go, oh, that's how her foot was angled. I was wondering why her leg looked weirdly contorted and da-da-da-da-da. And... That is a conversation that me and you get to have, and someone who yeah. was not in the room that day did not get to uh, did not get to observe any of that, and they can start to piece together things from both of our perspectives, and we can start learning as an artist as to what happens when another artist is seeing something differently, and that gets added to our arsenal. So yeah. the next time a life model comes in, I can go, oh, they're in the same pose. I know where that shadow is going and now I can kind of make sure I've got that angle a little bit better. And you go, Oh, I know how his foot's angled. I can, now I understand why that leg looks like that. And I can tweak mine to be a little bit more accurate and this and that. So we grow from it and no one gives a shit about originality in that instance. And that's (laughs) one of the beautiful things about that is I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know what? It's really just about the art. And that's what it really comes down to. And that's where that's why I think and it's it's kind of like what you said about, you know, a lot of artists turn up their nose when they see something even remotely similar to what they want to do. And it's like, you know, you need to lean into that because you can see what they're doing that you were going to do. And maybe they didn't do it the way you wanted to do it. Or maybe they did do it the way you wanted to do it. And it's not coming off the way it is. Or. The wonderful thing of an artistic box. A lot of artists don't like boxes. We don't like being put in the box. But to be honest, it's the best place for all of us. We lo- we really need to be put in that jail cell of you can only do this. And if someone beats you to the fucking punch with some kind of shot that you were going to do or some plot yep. point, then you got to go back and you got to dig down deep into that artist well that's in, in like the heart of your soul and go, how do I make this different? How do I make this better? How does that, you know what I mean? How does this change yep. my story, my character, whatever? And that's where you really find out who you are as an artist. Because the whole point of art, and I say this almost every episode, we're all working through our shit. And if someone has already worked through your shit, we'll find some of your other shit. Because Lord knows we all have more than one issue that we have that we're dealing with at any given time. There's another way to look at it. There's another angle in that life drawing circle. So for me... that's the conversation that the artists are having is, Hey, yeah, maybe I beat you to the punch, but you, you have some kind of different perspective that I, that can illuminate me that I didn't do, or I didn't think. I I love, I love that analogy that you're making because that is for sure how I'm trying to look at it. And it's hard because we're, we're very tainted by the whole money celebrity. And there's a little bit of, resentment that you've put so much thought and maybe some work into something that now is obsolete because you'll be labeled a copycat or a rip off or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to pull away from that. Well, and ultimately like 
Hey, going back to that story in regards to Midnight Gospel, like it ended up like watching that show ended up inspiring one of my favorite episodes that I've written where I I was inspired by the way that it tells story that that show tells stories where it's it's very flowing psychedelic kind of method of like you're have two people are having a conversation and all this stuff is going on in the background. So there's like a story within a story kind of a thing going on. Mm-hmm. And so I was inspired by that in like, I ended up doing an episode that for me was like, I took, I took one of my favorite writers, Robert Anton Wilson, and kind of made him into a character and had it being a conversation between him and Jake while Jake's like tripping out on like uh, the psychedelic. And so like, for me, it ended up becoming this huge point of like, oh, I want to do something similar to that, but have my own flavor on it. You know what I mean? Like I, so my point being is like, when you have those similar, like you're saying, right, we all have this, we're, we're, we're focusing on the same subject, mm-hmm. but we have different perspectives on it. Right. And so I saw that one perspective and I was like, oh, I want to take a little bit of that perspective that you have right here and put my own bend on it mm-hmm. to see what I can do. And then that, for me, that's the conversation, right? Is like, I want to see the other techniques that other artists are using and adjust them to my own taste to see what I can make from that. And then, you know, ideally everybody does that, right? And everybody, everybody has their own techniques that are adjusted from techniques that they like from other people right? and vice versa. It's all stolen from shit you've seen before. It's just a different assembly. Like you, you are the... I think you listed this in our ideas and we'll probably do this podcast because I liked it, but you are a curator as an artist of the techniques that you use. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like some people can be like, wow, I really like Dutch angles and somebody can be like, no, I don't, but you've seen a Dutch angle in order to know that you liked a Dutch angle. It's not like you just randomly thought up of an idea to do a Dutch angle. You have decided as an artist, I like that technique. I'm going to take that technique. Well, you didn't make that technique. So is that original for you to use that technique? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, in essence, everything you're doing is already stolen. You're just reassembling and curating in a different assembly that has not been occurred before to tell the story that you want to, which spoiler alert, chances are somebody else has already touched on that topic as well. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the truth of it. And I think a lot of artists don't want to admit that. I think our egos are a little too big where, we just want to, to feel unique and different and have a voice that eventually resonates with everyone else. But at the same time, we're unwilling to admit that we already are like them. We just want, it's like, a, it's, it's like that seeking approval thing. It's like, yeah. admit me to your clan. And everyone's like, dude, you're already here. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, that is like, and I think, I mean, I think, maybe not particularly artists, but I do think a lot of artists struggle with that where it's like, they don't feel accepted into the big, you know, the bigger society, especially if it's like professional society. And a lot of times professional artists are just like, they'll accept you so long as you're not an ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's different from person to person and it's all relationships take time to grow. And this is kind of going off subject a little bit but like i think that it's related in regards to because i think you touched on something here that's interesting to me um 
a lot of artists get really concerned about the originality of their ideas because they're hoping for this sort of utopic moment when their ideas presented towards you know the greater art community or other people and they're just stunned or astounded by what appears in front of them and yeah. i mean unless you're like i mean unless you're like doing something that's so above and beyond that it's like basically magic right. towards the rest of the world yeah. you're not you're not going to break ground in that sense um that kind of thing is so rare and so uncommon, you know, that uh, it's it's not, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even make sense to attribute it to a single person. It's almost a product of a time more than anything else. But point being, um, most artists just want to make friends with other artists because they don't want to be alone as a creative person yes. because they're looking for other people who are creative. Which is why I love this podcast. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I follow so many people on Instagram just because they're creative people because they make stuff. Yeah. I don't even, sometimes I don't even like all the stuff that they make, but they make stuff and I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, well, and that's, the, and it's scattershot too, because sometimes you'll like it. Sometimes you won't. And yeah, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing is I think a lot of artists need to get out of their heads. Cause a yeah. lot of that, I think you talked about this earlier where you, a lot of artists will just overthink to the point of neuroticism where they're just like, planning out what they're going to do and they never sit down to actually do it. I like people who do it because not only are they taking that risk to fail, but now I have something to judge. And this is like a, a speaking from a positive standpoint where it's like, Oh, at least there's something to talk about. Like I can look at this painting and say, I really like what you did with the shadow here, but I don't like the color choice that you made with this. Cause it's drawing my, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that allows the conversation, but I can't see in your head that you're going to do that. You can talk to me about it as much as you want, but until I see the art, until I experience the art, whether it's music or whatever, yep. there's there's no conversation between the artists. It's just... And now I'm finally putting together why this is the episode that you wanted to announce when you were going to release Haunted, because there is this dynamic where when when you're coming up with an idea and you're trying to craft an idea, you can get stuck in the like uh development hell basically and so like for you like you have now basically made the first big climb out of development hell and be like let's do it <laughs> let's go you know what i mean yeah because a lot of people get stuck in that originality like um yep. prison basically that's and that's exactly where i was for the last several years was yeah like a, an absolute refusal to acknowledge that the other movies were happening and then complete yeah. despair when they were. And, you know, like it felt like a failure, like, oh, I, I, I'm just not good enough to get it done fast enough. Yeah. And I'm always going to get beat by the quote unquote big bad corporation studios, blah, 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 blah. Not anymore. I don't give a rat's ass. I can't. And no one will be able to tell me that was that my movie was better mm. until they've seen it. And I'm not going to know my movies better until I've seen it. And the beauty of it is, is like I said before, I've watched the, all these movies now, not because I, I was felt obligated to or anything like that, but I was just like, you know what? If I'm not going to make my movie, I at least want to see and experience what I was wanting to experience by making the movie for myself. Does that make sense? Like watching, yep. like I want to make the movie because I want to experience that moment on screen. I want to see it. I want to live it. I want to have, I want to have it. And then I watched the movies and I didn't get any of them. And I'm like, well, fuck. Like, 
There's got to be somebody out there who's watching this movie. And I know a lot of people, and I don't think many of the, the movies that I listed in relation to mine are very good. One or two of them were decent, I would say. Um, but I know in my heart of hearts that when some people see what I'm doing, they're going to be like, oh, shit, he went next level. Like, not even next level, like next level, next level. Two levels up, yeah. fucking King Koopa level, right? That's that's where I'm <laughs> headed. And at least that's what I'm trying to do. So if anything, it's like, all right, there's been slasher movies. Why do we make more slasher movies? Well, because we want to see if somebody can level it up. And yeah. I'm at the point now where I want to level it up. I'm, I'm like, okay, I didn't get what I wanted. And sitting here waiting and jerking off about what could have been or the uh, I'm so bitter and angry about it. That's doing nothing. I'm stuck yeah. in an artistic jail where I have not created because I'm so caught up in the originality, like you said. And now I, I know it's original and I'm like, well, it, it was like that, that moment of clarity where I was just like, well, why the fuck don't I do it? <laughs> I, I mean, and then, you know, the little birdie comes in my, cause Andrew, you don't have the money. And then the other birdie pops up and goes, well, maybe take your time. <laughs> like, just do it over the court. Like, you're not on a studio schedule, this whole idea of they have $60 million to throw at a movie, and it's done in, you know, six months. All right, you don't have that much money. You do have time. You're As far as, you know, Mother Nature intends you to be alive, you got the time. And instead of sitting around, you know, complaining or being in misery and depression about it, do something with it, yep. and that's where I'm at. And time, time is ultimately the one resource you can never get back. So it's like if you're gonna do it, you gotta, you gotta do it when you have the time to do it. Because who knows what happens, what happens next, right? That's a whole other podcast. That Using, is a managing whole time podcast. well as an artist. Um, <laughs> so let's wrap up this episode. We've made my major announcement that I am making my already award-winning horror movie. Um, that will be released in October of 2023. And I'm not saying nationally released. It's probably going to be a couple of theaters. I'm already in talks with my local theater for the premiere. Uh, that's how serious I am about putting money down and planting a flag and saying this is fucking happening uh, because I've yeah. said it quite a bit over the last couple of years and it never pans out. So I know I have to earn back the trust of a lot of audience members that I've kind of led on for a while. So, uh, you know, be be positive about this, my my former Jow Films fans. Uh, I'm back in the saddle, and it's definitely happening this time. As far as other awesome things that are coming up, we have a very interesting podcast slated for <laughs> the day before my birthday, which is we're going to record on July 11th. The podcast will launch on July 14th. My birthday is the 12th of July, if I don't know, if I didn't say that. Uh, for the first time in 34 years, I had a medical condition as a child that after vigorous testing by three doctors now, I have been cleared of my alcohol allergy. And so what do my good old college buddies want to do the moment they found out Captain Preachy, Mr. Anti-Alcohol, don't get drunk, don't do drugs, can now drink alcohol. Ladies and gentlemen, July 14th, we're doing the Art of Cocktails, where I believe we're having Mr. Rainwater, Mr. Matt the Joker Walters, and I think Joe Bevel's coming back for that one, right? Uh, wasn't he on that call Sweet. when we talked about that? 
I am. He was on that call. All right. Me, I'm going to contact him to make sure, but I'm sure he'll get back to me, but I'm going to get in contact with him. For well, sure. basically the gist is I will be having cocktails for the first time ever in 34 years of existence that these <laughs> fine human beings will be coming up with. I don't know if they're doing it to just to get me shit faced, uh, which won't be I'll hard be given my tolerance level. Um, <laughs> or to be, just be friends and you know give me the experience of a pleasant beverage. But oh, I mean, I'm going to be getting shit faced with you. So I was going to well, ask well, that if if everybody's going to be drinking with me, um, I will. I'll be in this boat with you. I appreciate that. Uh, are you going to be drinking just the drink you're submitting? Because each of you are going to submit a drink. But or, or are you going to do the uh, whole shebang with everybody? Because that's what I got to do. Oh God! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you have time to decide, but uh, yeah. that's coming up. We've got some other episodes coming your way that are going to be fun, but definitely look out for that one. Uh, we are at our one-hour mark, so let's actually wrap up this episode uh, once again. Haunted by Andrew Casarco, award-winning already. The screenplay has dozens of screenplay and uh, screenplay con- festival and screenplay contest awards attached to it. First place, grand prize. Selection, yada, 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 all that good stuff. That's a certificate of authenticity in my point of view from people who have... These are horror, mostly horror contests, I should note, uh, and festivals. So these people have seen the other stuff in this genre. And they were like, this is the fucking best thing out of the thousands of scripts, hundreds of scripts, whatever, that we got. This is number one. And I fucking hang my hat on that shit because you know what that's worth when you've sent scripts and you don't even get selected. And then you see like there's a list of like a hundred quarter finalists and you're like, well, fuck this actually made grand prize of the New York screenplay competition, which to me is a fucking, that's a huge deal. Um, so we're making it into a movie. I'm making it into a movie. I should say, uh, I'm going to be a fucking total vanity act about this shit and just completely congratulate myself <laughs> every turn of the day I can, because you know what? I'm doing the fucking work. I can do that. Enough said. Mr. Rainwater, anything you want to say as we go off the air? Uh, About getting I, beaten to the punch, I maybe? Will... <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I, what I will say is, um, you know, this is something we say pretty much every episode, but, like, just do it. Just keep, just go. Just make the thing. Uh, you, and once you've got the idea set, like, tunnel vision can be useful. Yes. You know, you can... You can adjust things. You can change things once you've gotten the bulk out of the way. But getting to a point where you have that momentum, that really is the most important part in any creative endeavor. Whether you're doing it for money, whether you're doing it for fun, the most important part is to, like, just start making. Uh, Because that's the thing that we all want to see happen. We all want to see the thing happen and come to existence. And just remember, you're sitting at a different part of the life drawing than the artist across the country in another country in the past, in the future, who's going to make a similar thing. Tell your story, tell it your way, and you'll never go wrong. Good night, everybody.